Today is a very special episode because it's the first interview on this channel. I sat down with a coworker of mine, his name is Grant, and he's been in the field for over 20 years, and the whole idea of giving options and educating the customer was foreign to him about a year ago. And so I came into the company I'm at right now, he had already been there, and I had started to expose them to the ideas of slowing down, communicating, building rapport, educating, and giving options. And he's really taken to it. His numbers have increased, his mental health has increased, and I think this is a testament to the power of giving options and not ultimatums. This was actually recorded a few months ago and was originally intended to be the first episode, but I had some things come up and uh, well, it didn't really work. It didn't really work out that way, but here we are now. So sit back, relax, and uh, I give you Grant. Hey, welcome to That Plumbing Podcast. My name is Brandon the Plumber, and today I'm here with Grant. Hi, I am Grant, also a plumber and also a colleague of Brandon's. We work together for the same plumbing company, as a matter of fact, here in the metro Phoenix area. We are both in the service plumbing industry. I have about eight years experience. Grant has... 20 plus, 20 actually. plus. Yeah, he's an old man. He's been he's been in a long time. There's only like what a year that separates us in age. <laughs> but <laughs> to be fair, start. I started pretty much right out of high school. The main thing that I'm trying to get across is the perception of the plumbing industry because I know what people think plumbers are. We're trying to get to a spot where we kind of like redefine the industry because there is an amazing amount of potential for earnings and and careers and coming up that's here now, uh, within the next five years, the shortage on plumbers is not going to just magically fix itself. Plumbers either, any skilled trade. Anyone, yeah. HVAC, plumbing, electrician, welder, anything that requires skilled labor. We're seeing increases in wages, and I don't don't personally think it's going to stop. So I'm just trying to get out and, and, and educate the public or just trying to change the image of plumbers. And I think a lot of that comes with the idea of giving options over like trying to sell people, you know, but we can get into that later. Okay. So I'm actually from the Merritt area. Um, it's different there than it is here. Like Louisiana, it is at least when I was still doing it back there forever and a day ago, it was mostly unions. Mm. Okay. So if you weren't in the union, you were a quote scab, right? And the way I got into it, was also kind of by accident. Originally, I wanted to be a carpenter. And then when I was in high school, my senior year, I went to what was called OTEC. You learned a skilled trade. In my case, it was an eight-week rotation. So they had f- the four major trades, carpentry, electrical, HVAC, and plumbing. And you spent two weeks in the rotation. And then afterwards, you had like the one that you wanted to do the most and then you had like your second choice well i started off in the rotation with carpentry but we spent that whole two weeks cleaning the shop Mm. and so i didn't learn anything and being young and the way that you are sometimes when you're young you're like screw this you know like and then being from michigan where obviously it gets cold in the winter the HVAC guys blatantly lied and were like, oh, if you do HVAC, you're never going to have to worry about being outside in the wintertime. And I was like, bet, you know, blatant lie. So I decided to go with HVAC. Spent the two years there because if you went through the whole program, then you got college credits. So then I went to college for HVAC. 
and was like two classes away from graduating. And long story short, wasn't able to finish it for a number of reasons, but did eventually end up getting just a general studies degree, associates. But when I started my apprenticeship with the company I thought I was going to be doing and learning HVAC with, they kind of put me with the plumbers from day one, which was fine because plumbing was actually my second choice in OTEC, ironically enough. And when it comes to electrical troubleshooting, if it's got more than like four or five wires, it turns out I'm not great at electrical troubleshooting. So it worked out for the best. Plus, we were doing new construction. We were also doing fire suppression type work. So I ended up getting a pretty good foundation there. And then the Great Recession hit, and I was kind of forced to either start a new career or move out of the state. So fast forward to now and... I live here in the Phoenix area, but I've been doing this for 20 plus years. I would say 13-ish or so have been strictly just doing service. The rest of the time was like new construction, TIs, things of that nature. Uh, Also did, worked at Luke's Air Force Base, built what I was told was the Marine Training Center out there. I don't know if if that's what it actually was or if that's what it's still used for, but I, you know, did all the piping and the uh, the cooling tower for that building. Mm -hmm. Wanted to be a carpenter, ended up going to college for HVAC, and then got into plumbing. Right. I mean, the only one I'm missing is electrical. And as I said before, I'm not great with wires. Yeah. Previous company I worked for, I actually did some HVAC for them as well, but only got to like, I guess, a level one, you know, doing maintenances and whatnot. And it is a different beast dealing with low voltage and and electrical. Plumbing is a little bit more straightforward. To a degree, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, the the best part about plumbing is, is, um, I don't like, you know, as far as like duct works and stuff like that goes, it feels like if I look at 10, I bleed. When I started, when I was doing HVAC, I kind of thought that it was better for a while. What I realized about plumbing, especially residential service plumbing in particular versus any other trade that I can think of is the amount of opportunities at each house. Yes. And ironically, the amount of homeowners that really have little to no clue how the plumbing system works mm. or what to do in case of an emergency. Like, I mean, how, how many customers have you gone to where they have no clue even where their main shutoff valve, where their cleanouts are, if, if they even have any, or how old their water heater is? Right. People just don't think about it. They just, they it's taken for granted, really. Well, fair play. I mean, you know... We also, as plumbers or skilled tradesmen, I think, forget sometimes what we just inherently have learned and know, and I guess mistakenly just assume that everyone knows it, because yep. we're because day in and day out, that's what we deal with, right? And so it's easy to be like, oh, this this guy, like, really? You, you don't know where your main shot of You don't? You, really? <laughs> you know? <laughs> kind of thing. But it's if you take a step back and be like, well... If I didn't do what I do, and if I didn't know what I know, I would probably be just like that guy or that lady, you know? So, I mean, think about like, you know, even though I'm from the Motor City, to be completely honest with you, I don't really know a ton about cars. (laughs) To where like a mechanic might be like, really? You didn't know this? No, of course I don't know it. But did you know how to properly flush a water heater? I bet not. You know, like. <laughs> yeah, how to diagnose a, a leaking faucet or leaking pipes, you know, so that's an opportunity, I think. Well, first off, I think we as plumbers believed our own, um, the way society like makes 
it seem that people without degrees or people that do work are like not intelligent or they don't deserve a, a good living wage. Um, it's easy. You know, everyone, I love when a customer is like, you know, this is going to be super easy for you. You'll be in and out. And then you give them a price and they're like, oh my God, like I, why? I, I could just do it myself. Could but you, you, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, 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 or my personal favorite is like, well, you were only here for like five minutes. Mm. It's like, <laughs> how long would it have taken you, sir? Oh yeah. And how many trips to Home Depot mm-hmm. or Lowe's or Ace Hardware? You probably would have spent a whole day on this, and now you've got the rest of it to go do whatever it is that you are wanting to do. Mm-hmm. You got more time to spend with your family. See, for the longest time, actually up until you got hired in, which we actually haven't even known each other for that long of a period of time. I mean, you hired in probably, what, maybe maybe 10 months ago? I was been a year, July 14th. Oh, it has been? Okay. All right. Still, though, not really a long time, but in that amount of time, like... Like when he hired in, I personally wasn't necessarily in like the greatest headspace. I think I just kind of got malaised over with like the day in, day out thing. And like work just wasn't fun anymore. Like some days I actually dreaded going in. And then he came in and then like kind of changed my mindset on things. And not just me, but also our, the owners of the company. It changed the perception to the point where a lot of the ways that our company actually. Uh, operates is is different and i think in some ways have solved a lot of the problems that we've had for a long time other ways maybe created others that we haven't figured a solution out for but one thing that is definitely for certain is that i feel better about charging more for what i do because i guess i never really thought about how much i'm actually worth that's not to say that like i go in somewhere and i'm just like i'm the man you gotta pay me you know like obviously you gotta take care of the the client but i it was for me it was like a boom and zoom you know especially because like when i first hired him with the company we were inundated and slammed almost all the time because we really didn't have enough manpower to get through all the jobs so i thought i was doing a good job by basically just fixing whatever it is that they called us out to fix because in my mind that's why they called right not looking ahead or um, kind of anticipating issues that may come up while you're there now, which I think, I guess, is probably leading into the what you were trying to get at, which is providing better service. I know that when I came up, I got yelled at for everything. <laughs> and I mean, like any mistake you could possibly think of, I probably made it and then got yelled at for it. And I know that when I'm training you guys, I really do my best to not like tear them down, you're going to make mistakes. I mean, when you're new, I mean, I still make mistakes, but you know, nobody's perfect. If I can, if we can help somebody not make them same mistakes that either of us have made over the course of our career and give you like a leg up so that when you get to the point in your careers where we're at now, you're actually better than we are. That's my goal. Personally, I hate seeing somebody struggle. And there was a time when shortly after I moved out here where I seriously thought about maybe not doing plumbing because like you get yelled at after a while and you're just like am I really just am I not cut out for this like maybe maybe this isn't a good maybe I should no stop investing time and effort into doing this right and then like my first foreman said one day I just went to work and boom the light bulb went off and I just everything clicked no questions really needed to be asked you just kind of knew what needed to be done one of my goals for the podcast 
is to educate potential plumbers is, is a big goal of mine because we need people that want to do plumbing. We need competent, intelligent people who can provide good service. And I just think the current perspective or the perception of what a plumber is, is not accurate. It could be better, but that comes with, that comes with the people, the workers, the employees wanting to do more than just go in and fix whatever's broken and leave. Really the idea of education over persuasion is like what I like to say, but there's so much more going on inside a house than just a leaky angle stop. Right. And since there's so much opportunity, I mean, you got to think you have every fixture, every fixture has a hot and a cold. Except yeah. the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, except the toilet or like shower. But, you know, you got your bathrooms, you got water softeners, conditioners, water heaters. I mean, there's so many opportunities, so much opportunities for someone to go in there and really provide a good service and and get their customer's system running optimally. Because I'll tell you, water can destroy, I mean, on a second floor, supply line goes in the middle of the night, you're going to wake up and you're going to have a waterfall. Oh, I can tell you a good story. (laughs) So uh, my parents' neighbors in Michigan, they had a house up north, like a cabin, and it was the middle of winter, and they left for the weekend. Shortly after they left, everybody's guessing, their heater broke. Mm. Pipe froze on the second floor. It split open. Needless to say, they came home, opened the door from their garage into the house, and everything they owned was in a pool in the basement. Jeez. The entire house was completely gutted. It was just a shell. Yeah. Now, that's obviously the most extreme case I've ever heard for making sure you shut your water off before you mm-hmm. go anywhere. Probably would have almost rather had the place burned down. Right. It's not cheap. That's our fault as plumbers for not educating the customer. Absolutely. Make them understand what they actually have in their house and how age, water quality, water pressure... All these work together to cause a break and, and really damage your house. So going in there and just fixing the immediate uh, symptom is not really what we're trying to do. That's not what, you know, me personally, and I don't think you as well, but that wasn't always the case. Yeah, not anymore. Like now I feel like I'm not doing my job properly anymore if I don't look at as much as I possibly can or as much as the customer will let me. I mean, obviously, you're going to have some of those customers who've had bad experiences in the past with guys who are basically just nothing more than like used car salesmen, and they're going to give off that vibe that they're just trying to sell you, right? That's not what we're trying to talk about. We're trying to, like Brandon said, educate. Take the time to, in as close to layman's terms as possible, explain so that people can understand what X, Y, and Z does, why it's important, why you need to care about it. Why, if we're recommending replacing it, why we're recommending replacing it? What can happen if you decide not to? Water pressure, water quality, age, things of that nature. Especially every location has their own challenges. Phoenix has terrible water quality. Absolutely. And calcium buildup will destroy your fixtures, your the little the little jets, the little holes on your faucets and your showers. All of that over time can get corroded and build up on the inside of the pipes, the water heater, you know? So when I go out to a customer and they don't have a water filtration system, I'm offering it. It's not because I want to sell you more and make more money. I'm not trying to trick you into buying some overpriced piece of equipment that's not going to help you. Instead, my goal is to educate you on your plumbing system in general so you understand how it works and how that problem is affecting your whole system. 
and then give you options. Yes, essentially, we're trying to help you better protect your investment being your house. How to hopefully not get into so many emergency situations where you're inherently going to pay more if it's 9 o'clock at night on a Sunday, and all of a sudden now you've got no water pressure. If you go through and you're like, okay, this one's obviously all crusty, and everything like that, but then the cold side one looks just fine, but let's be honest, it's probably the same age. It looks exactly the same. Why are you just replacing one? My best friend who does garage doors, he always says, I don't replace one garage door spring. I replace them both because they're both the same age. If one goes, the other one's probably not too far behind it. Same rule applies. I mean, every once in a while, you it's just as a caveat, there are some garage doors that only have one spring. Okay. Just just to be fair, if you can go ahead and assess the whole thing, and then it's not even just about that, too. Like, the biggest thing that I think Brandon changed the script on for me and what we're trying to kind of adopt is listening to the customer, actually starting a rapport with the customer, making it so that it's not just a transactional thing or like a one-time transactional thing. It's building a relationship that hopefully will continue beyond just that initial visit. Right. And I think this comes back to the idea of we are service plumbers. Service comes first before the plumbing side. And part of what defines great service is the type of interaction that you have with the customer. And that includes, like you said, building a rapport, having a conversation with them, getting them to understand in their unique situation and what matters to them. And just like literally creating a friend right there. It's not just a transaction like, oh, it's fixed here. You know, give me my money. All right, I'm gone. You know, no, let's, let's try and actually get to know the customer, understand their personal life as much as they will allow you. And that's professionally reasonable and, and understanding the entire system. Think about it like if you go into the doctor with a, a pain in your arm, the doctor says, what's your problem? I have a pain in my arm. Okay, here's some pain pills. Now go. Yeah, but before you even see the doctor, what happens first? They take your blood pressure. They go ahead and they get your weight. They take vitals first. So what we're talking about is we are essentially taking the vitals of the plumbing system as if it was a patient because that's that's really what we do. We fix the we fix the plumbing. To break it all down, we make water go where you want it and it's supposed to go. Like in a nutshell, that's that's what we do. But there's a lot more than just water in, water out. Right. And the vitals we're talking about, we have age, water quality, and pressure. These are the three things that a good plumber, a good service plumber is going to want to check each and every time. Just like when you go to the doctor and he checks, like you said, the blood pressure and all those things. If you have a leaking angle stop, yeah, you can just replace the leaking angle stop. But what if your pressure is 120 PSI? So, you know, you got high water pressure, you have no softener, there's calcium buildup on the insides, calcium destroys the internals of angle stops and faucets. We are trying to really instill the idea of diagnosing the entire system. And like I say, this is not something that I've come up with. There's a a lot of, I mean, it's kind of like the new way of thinking that's taking over the plumbing industry. You got Chris Fresh, he does his coaching thing, plumbing sales coach, Joe Cressera. You know, they all teach this thing of this idea of diagnosing the whole system. Don't let the customer diagnose their system. A lot of people, when they call 
they're going to ask for the price. Well, if you take your car to a mechanic and before you even do that, you call the mechanic up and be like, Hey, how much is it to, you know, change my radiator? Right. Well, a lot of times what they'll probably ask is why do you think the radiator needs to be replaced? And like, not in like a mean way, but like, why do you have the impression that you need a new radiator? And then they'll be like, well, they're probably not going to give you a price because they want to actually see the car. Because let's just, for instance, say that like you think it's the radiator that's the problem, but in actuality, the main problem is actually something completely different. If I go ahead and give you a price, based on what you're telling me the problem is, I'm starting our relationship off with potentially a lie. And the reason why is because what happens when I get there and find out it's something completely different, but because of whatever the symptoms are, it's masking the actual problem. I'm sure Brandon's probably been on some of these situations like I have where sometimes you have to do do what I call playing whack-a-mole before you finally get to the heart of the problem. You have to essentially do the process of elimination before you finally actually find the problem and the cause of the overall issue. Sometimes that's costly. A lot of troubleshooting is involved. And in order for you to be good at it, there's a lot of experience that takes place before that. It's the ability to handle the situations as they arise. The value comes in the experience of the plumber. If you're repairing a leak and another leak occurs, you have the skills and the abilities to, to tackle it. I was thinking the other day, I'm going to keep using a doctor's analogy because it's, it fits so well. I mean, a surgeon. What if I said, why does it cost that much? All you're doing is cutting me open. That's not a lot. You're not even sweating. I don't think you're not taking to the account the knowledge and the the complete knowledge of the human body to know exactly where to cut. And also more importantly, if something goes wrong, his ability to overcome that problem so you don't die. Not just that, his liability alone. Li- the risk. Yeah. Absolutely. We were talking earlier about how plumbing you know, can flood a house and cause damage. That's the trust you're putting in the plumber is that it's not going to flood at two o'clock in the morning because the plumber knew what he was doing. And not only that, but they thoroughly test it before they leave. Like that, that's something that when it comes to me training newer guys, that's my number one thing is thoroughly test it. When I say thoroughly test it, test it to the extreme, farther than what the actual end user is going to do. Like, for instance, if I'm testing the P-trap or any of the drain connections underneath there, I don't just go ahead and fill it up about halfway, you know, and be like, oh, yeah, it's not leaking, it's good. I fill that bad boy all the way up to the top to the point where several times I've had the customer be like, are you going to turn the faucet off? And it's like, no, because every gallon of water weighs eight pounds. So you get that head pressure on it, and if you're filling it up way farther than the customer is going to fill it up and it doesn't leak... You can pretty well safe bet that it's probably good, right? Mm-hmm. When they're using it, because you're putting more stress on it than they ever will. It's not like rocket science to fill up a sink, but it's based on your experience. This is how we make sure no problems are going to happen. And that's what it's important you charge properly for your time so you don't feel rushed to skip that step. If you don't feel rushed, you're going to, one, be more relaxed. You're not going to go ahead and overlook things. You're not going to rush the process. I always like to say the job takes as long as it takes. If you rush, you're going to make mistakes. And those mistakes, you're going to pay for. The homeowner could potentially pay. What makes a one service plumber or company better than the other? 
What, me, where's the value that you get when you pay more? To me, it's not even just that. It's what determines a service plumber from just your general handyman. Because, I mean, you know, a lot of people, they just think that a handyman can go do our job, too. And I'm sure there's plenty out there who can. I've had to go behind so many handymen who weren't, quote, handy, at least not for plumbing. And then, like I had one earlier this week where I asked the guy point blank, just out of curiosity, how come you didn't call the handyman back? I wasn't very happy with his work. Mm. Well, okay. But let's be honest, if he would have called me or another company like mine out the first time, he wouldn't have had the issue to begin with. I hate to say you get what you pay for, because to a certain extent, that may not necessarily be true, depending on certain companies whose names I'll also leave out. But, you know, some just cost more. Sometimes it's because they've got more overhead. Sometimes it's because they're greedy. And sometimes there's a legit reason. I know that speaking from our company, I truly feel like we do it for the right reason and always have. Even though we've changed like our approach and things like that, like as a matter of fact, yesterday, I just... I just went ahead and celebrated my 11th work an- work anniversary. Woo! Yeah. Nice. So, which I'm sure many plumbers out there will will say that's not common that you stick with a company for over a decade. This podcast is also going to be heavily geared towards people who want to get into plumbing, who are curious about what it's like to be a service plumber. Pardon the pun, we're just trying to get our feet wet right now. <laughs> right. Trying to change the industry to get out of that broke mentality because if you want a good living wage with potential for growth, plumbing and the trades in general are going to be the new hot career moving forward, especially as wages continue to go up and prices continue to go up. And that's not going to change. Skilled laborers are just going to go up. And that's exacerbated by the fact that there's not a lot of people that are in line to become a plumber or a tradesman. No matter your age, if you're looking to change your career, uh, I highly recommend plumbing and the and the trades, and we're going to do our best to try and and relate that to the people. We going to convince you. We going to convince you. Come on, because we we need help. We need people that are competent. Because I don't want to be turning wrenches forever. But I if mean, there's no one coming up, <laughs> I'm already looking at forty. Don't get me wrong. Like that, I do feel old from time to time, but, and the knees don't work as well as they used to. But I still got some gas in the tank. But let's be honest, this job does take a toll on your body especially if you don't take the best care of it, especially in the summertime out here. It's brutal. Phoenix, Arizona, we gotta, you got to jackhammer the dirt. And then also going up in attics mm. and doing some of the grunt work. But that's honestly where all of us start. Even just aside from the physical labor, like sometimes plumbing can be nasty. You oh, yeah. Part of that compensation for you doing work that other people don't want to do is higher wages. You want people who who still believe in the idea of a career. And And hard work. One thing that the pandemic taught me about plumbing and the trades in general is that we are absolutely essential. It's not like you're coding for a button on Facebook's like page. People need plumbing. They need to have water to them and then their waste taken away. Otherwise, people die. And and it might sound uh, dramatic, but if you take away the plumbing from a city, civilization crumbles fast. You, you want to get somebody upset real quick, tell them you can't get their water back on before you leave. Can't flush your toilet. Hey, there's there's always one left in the tank. And matter of fact, it's funny that he brings that up because the company we both work for actually grew exponentially thanks to COVID. 
I would have never expected it because I was actually quite worried, honestly. But the reason why that happened is because you had a bunch of these people who were working from home. Things that may not necessarily have been quite as big of a deal before, now they're looking at it every day. We also got that influx of money from the government that was like unexpected money. Oh, hey, honey, you know how we were thinking about doing that remodel? Yeah, Why don't we just go ahead and do that now, right? And we're home, so availability is whatever. I was like a chicken with my head cut off at the beginning. Even the company I was working for during COVID, we sped up. We are doing HVAC, electrical. We did all three. I didn't even notice there was a pandemic. What we're trying to say is that if you're looking for a, a profession that is recession-proof and pandemic-proof, all trades, but service plumbing in general, is a great bet. You don't have to worry about job security or anything. Stuff's always going to break. It's always, yeah, every day. We're and, always going to need running water. And plumbing is everywhere. You can go anywhere and find a job. And it is so easy. I can only speak for myself, and I am in a big city. It's super easy to find a job. Like most of the time, I don't even need a resume. If you can just sell, if you just talk to them, interview well, demonstrate your knowledge, in a week, I've gotten a job in a week. Oh, dude, uh, one time, and this was even during the recession, before I even did new, con- uh, before I even transferred over into the uh, service end of it, I literally got laid off that morning. And had a brand new job by that afternoon mm-hmm. and started the very next day. Mm-hmm. Didn't even miss a beat. I don't recommend hopscotching from company to company because after a while, you run into the same people at supply houses and it kind of starts to become known who is always wearing a different shirt. <laughs> Keep on good terms with them because you never know further down the line how knowing them and having a good relationship with them can benefit you. Absolutely. And that doesn't just go for plumbing. That goes for anything. Yeah. Now, one thing that I will say that you helped turn around for me is I'm excited to go to work now. I got caught up in the monotony of everything. And now it's trying to build those relationships with the customers that I come in contact with. It it could either be first time I ever go there or my personal favorite, like some of my favorite customers that are repeats, where it's like I just get to foster that even more. And then one thing that our company does when we have like that, you know, message that like, hey, we're on the way type thing, they actually send out sort of like a profile of the technician that's going to be going out. So lately, I've had a bunch of people who like I show up there and they're just like, so acoustic or electric? And I'm like, huh? And they're like, guitar. And I'm like, oh, I don't discriminate. They already get that sense of they kind of know you. Their guard isn't as up. The important thing is is you stop becoming a commodity like dish detergent and now you become a person again. And you're also not like the enemy who I'm just trying to take your money away from you. Trick you. Yeah. I'm trying to help you. But the other problem that I think a lot of plumbers, my old school style plumbers like myself, unfortunately get into the habit of is that I'm going to be your hero mentality, right? And let's be honest, they don't care. Like, yeah, they're they're happy when you fix their problem, right? But that was expected when they called you, is that you're going to fix their problem. If you don't fix their problem, they're not happy, right? You're an angel when you fix the problem, and then you're Satan spawn when it comes time to pay the bill. But it doesn't have to be that way. I have many times now, with the approaches that we've tried to adopt, you get people who have paid me way more money than even a year ago I would have expected them to shell out for the exact same thing. And they're happy when I'm done. 
Not only are they happy, they're like, oh, have a great day. Thanks so much for the help. And hope everything goes great with you and your kids. And then they also give me a glowing review or they give the company a glowing review. So there's a way to make more money and do it in a non-sleazy style way. Because it is about relationships. I used to think that they were paying for me to fix something, but to fix an angle stop, but what I'm finding more so is they're paying me to be their advisor, their educator, their problem solver. Go in there and, and, and diagnose the system and give them good quality options. Ideally, something where I've, there's an option where they never have to worry about that problem for five years or lifetime, whatever you're trying to offer. It's up to the customer to decide what option they choose. But here's the thing. If you go in there and only give them one option, that's not really an option. That's an ultimatum. That's This is the price. Take it or leave it. Or you can go in and give them multiple options based on their entire system, based on their unique challenges that they face. Maybe they do have good water pressure, but they have bad water quality. Well, that particular house doesn't need a PRV. It needs some type of salt softener or whatnot. And then educating them on the benefits of that product, what could happen if they don't do anything, and then showing them in writing, everything finalized, how much it costs to solve this issue for today, tomorrow, forever, however you want to word it. That's where the professionalism, that's where the true value comes in from your modern service plumber. And the industry is, it's catching on, like I, like I said, but there's still a lot of that broke fix mentality. And, you know, time and material and get it out. You know, I was a huge advocate of it myself for the longest time. And I'll let you explain why that isn't necessarily the best way of going about it. If you take something like time and material, let's say I'm going to replace a water heater and I'm going to bid it out. And I say, it's going to take four hours. Okay. And I charge you so much per hour for that four hours. All right. If you have experience, you can likely get that water heater done much faster than four hours. Oh, yeah. So how is it fair for me to get paid less because I'm more experienced and can do it faster? And at the same time, as a homeowner, how is it fair to you that I'm going to charge you more because I'm less experienced and slower and slower? You're paying for an outcome you're yeah. not, and you're paying for the service. You're paying for the peace of mind, the warranty, the liability that the technician is getting paid enough to where he has a 401k, he gets paid well, he can actually focus on your job because his financial situation, it's not a problem. That was the biggest thing for me. They went from where they used to try and schedule everybody out four jobs a day, like three-hour blocks, and there'd be overlap, to now they've brought it back to three jobs a day. And at first, I was like, cool, so there's one less job, but what happened was I got better at opening up to people and getting them to open up to me. And I started noticing that that extra job, I didn't really care as much about it anymore because I'm actually making more money off the two or three jobs I'm doing that day, but I don't feel rushed. Mm. And I'm also making more money than I ever had before. And the customer is getting a better service because you took the time and to actually happier. understand them. Mm -hmm. We're both happier. So in my opinion, that's a win-win-win. Win yeah. for the for the client, win for the technician, and a win for the company. Because if I'm making more money, inherently, I'm bringing more money into them as well. And just to clarify, our owners of our company, it's not all about the money for them. Matter of fact, their mantra has always been, 
take care of the customer first. Let the chips fall where they where they may, and we'll figure it out later. As long as we take care of them, everybody else gets taken care of afterwards. That's the difference. And that's honestly the reason why I've been with them for so long. I've been with them since before I became a dad. Well, I was expecting, but she hadn't been born yet. Now she's going into sixth grade. They've literally watched both of my kids grow up. I don't know how many plumbers or people in any industry can really say that about their boss. I think you're the only one. That's still, I can't get over how long you've been there, you know, but the, the, the idea of service and what it means to be a professional service plumber involves so much more than just fixing something or just the, the cost of an angle stop. When you're just running and gunning, it's lonely. Oh, sure. You're in a truck by yourself. Yeah, sure, you can listen to podcasts. Sure, you listen to music. Yeah, sure, you can talk to yourself. But I mean, let's be honest. The interactions you get with the customers kind of help keep you sane, kind of help you stay in a better mood. Mm. Like, yeah, maybe I'll never see that person again. But maybe they taught me something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a transactional thing. There's been plenty of times where I've spent an inordinate amount of time with someone, ended up getting out of there after not doing anything. Mm-hmm. But I still wasn't exactly upset because, like, I had a good conversation with somebody, right? Now, would I prefer to probably make money instead? Honestly, yes. But, I mean, the fact remains that, like, maybe they didn't go with my company or me this time. But I guarantee you they're going to keep me and my company in mind for the future. Like, maybe the price just didn't match what they were expecting this time. I was just thinking this the other day. You don't want a customer that calls in because they have an emergency and they need you out there to fix whatever the problem is. You want a customer that's going to call you when there's a problem, and they're going to trust you enough to purchase any service that you have. You go out there and you can look at their system and give them six options, and they're going to go with the, the most premium option because they trust you. It's a long game. It's not, let's get as much as we can right now and trick them and scare them. So we No, it's a relationship, if you're doing this correctly, that you have with this customer for decades until they move or until they, something happens to them. Yeah, just and, like your doctor. And it's not just them. They will refer you to oh, their yeah. family and friends or colleagues. And it's happened w- with our business a, a ton. I mean, just this past week, my truck was in front of somebody else's frozen yogurt shop. And they called us because I was working next door at a different restaurant. The service part of it can be rewarding in and of itself, especially if you're an old school guy where you want to be like, oh, I'm your hero, you know, like I'm your Enrique Iglesias. Like (laughs) that can still happen, but it happens in a way where I'm not your hero because I lowered the price. It's I'm your hero because I solved your problem or almost as a therapist helped you work through the anxiety of what the problem caused. Like You couldn't go to work today because you woke up, went to go to the bathroom and squish, squish. Generally, a lot of times when people call any skilled trade that's in the service industry, it's because there's a problem or an issue and they need it solved so they can get back to their life. The faster you can help them get back to their life, back to their routine, the happier they're going to be. They're more than likely afraid. There's a lot of fear. They don't know how much it's going to cost. They don't know how much damage. They don't know who's going to fix it. They don't know when their life can get back together. They, and they can, because this is, this is an inconvenience to them. They have their own things going on. No one wants to be sitting at home waiting for a plumber all day. So the sooner you can get their problem solved and get them back to their regular life, the better it is for them. They're, they're paying. Part of the value comes from your ability to do that seamlessly. And like you said, coach them, you know, be their therapist, 
my first boss always told me, we're not here to fix problems. We're here to fix people. Yes. They're going to forget what you physically did right after you leave. But they always remember how you made them feel. Right. Because a lot of what we do, you never even see it. Oh, yeah. You know, unless you really look hard or you're tearing a wall open, right? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the stuff, like it's not a sexy job. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> no. Like, no one's going to be like, oh, cool. I get to spend $10,000 repiping my house. Yeah. I'd rather spend that on a car. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, like anything else. You know? Literally anything else. But it's important. And as a homeowner, things come up and it sucks. Like I'd replace my AC last last year. That was like ten grand that I really didn't want to have to spend on not sweating. But living out here, especially in the Phoenix area, you gotta have it. If you live somewhere where it gets cold in the wintertime, gotta have a heater. It's just the nature of the nature of the beast and the joys of homeownership. The the main thing I think we're trying to get across is sales is not evil if you're not intentionally trying to be evil and manipulative. You want to go in, you want to diagnose the entire system. All the plumbing, all the coaching programs, they preach this. Diagnose the whole system and give them options. Some people say three, some people say six, whatever, whatever you want, good, better, best, uh, economy, mid-range, and premium, whatever you want to call them. At least two. At least, at least two. Give them some option. Yeah. You know, as Americans, we like choice. We like freedom. We don't like being told, this is the price, take it or leave it. We'd much rather see three or four different prices based on different uh, warranties and services. And if even if the most expensive one is way out of your price range, you don't have to go with it. Right. You can choose this economy option and it basically fixes your problem. You get to move on. But educating the customer and giving them options is so crucial. And it's it's it really is the way, not just service plumbing, but trades in general, service trades, you know, giving service in general, service. Yeah. Options, 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 education with thought behind those options. As Joe Cressera likes to say, you know, be the dealer. You're, you're not emotionally involved or, or connected to any attached to any outcome. So Grant, where can people reach you at if they wanted to? Don't laugh because I set this email up when I was in high school, but Spartacus, S-P-A-R-T-A-C-U-S, 502.gg at gmail.com. And you can reach me at brandon at thatplumbingpodcast.com. You know, so plumbing, a great potential, great field. I mean, this is a sleeper a lot of people are just not aware of is how much potential there is. And you don't necessarily have to go into massive debt with, you know, student loans and everything like that in order to get into it. Stick with it. Put a little, a little physical labor. You don't need or... the gym when you become a plumber. <laughs> you don't need to go to the gym. You ain't got to lift weights. You yeah. got water heaters to lift. You got tankless water heaters to lift. <laughs> Stuff is heavy, bro. But it's rewarding. It really is rewarding. I like to say it's honest pay for honest work. Mm-hmm. There's not many industries where you get paid to learn the ins and the outs and gain experience, and get paid for it at the same time. And if you're lucky, you get to learn from well-seasoned and educated people. I credit a lot to, shout out to Billy Matheson. Billy, if you're listening, you're the man. He taught me a lot. Without his guidance and knowledge, I wouldn't be even close to where I'm at now. Because everyone's got something to teach you. Sometimes it's what not to do, but... If you can learn something from everybody that you work with, that's the key. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in to That Plumbing Podcast's first interview. Grant's awesome, and I'm happy to have him on. 
I am just trying to right now be consistent with the posting. I'm trying to do at least three a week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, one interview per week. Uh, so tune back in. And if you have any any feedback, you can email me at brandon at thatplumbingpodcast.com. Thanks.